You're listening to a podcast of spurious morality. Shame. And welcome to a podcast of spurious morality. I'm Johnston, and with me I have Connor. Hello. And I also have Mansour. Hello. And it's an episode that we've been looking forward to doing for quite a while, really. Um, We're going to talk about the Unit Brave New World series from Big Finish. So two box sets that came out last year. Um, and from the start, I think there was quite a lot of hype about these. I think we were quite excited. So I'm just going to very quickly ask you both sort of what your initial thoughts on the announcement of a Brigadier Bambera-led set of stories were. So you go first, Connor. Uh, my initial reaction was long, long overdue. Um, because when you're looking at classic Doctor Who and certainly you know coming so close to the end of the run, when you're thinking of potential spin-offs, Bambera is always, always was bound to be pretty high up there, um, and and uh, a, a, a '90s unit series. I always thought it was a, um, a very a very strange thing that she only I think she only ever appeared in one story, um, with the Seventh Doctor and one of the Lost stories. I I always thought that was a bit strange, given because uh, as well I think Angela Bruce was doing other stories with them. Um, I think I'm trying to remember. I think she was in one of the War Doctor box sets with Jonathan Carley just before this was announced, and um, when I was typing up a little review of of that one, I think it was why I think I actually had put it at the end. P.S. Why is there no Brigadier Bambera spinoff yet? And then this followed very very shortly after. Um, so I I was delighted that they had finally done it, and I I um. Equally delighted that it lived up to my expectations. It is kind of like you just wanted to shout at Big Finish and go, come on, Big Finish, Angela Bruce is right there. Come on. Um, And yes, it it, it did finally get announced, thank goodness. Um, Yeah, such a long time coming. Uh, What about you, Mansour? Uh, Same, like I remember, I think Battlefield is around the time I started watching the TV series and... Obviously, it um, was off the air the year after, but it felt like that story was um, the old brigadier handing over to Bambera, and it was setting up for this is going to be a new unit family that we're going to drop in on as like semi-regular or recurring cast members over the next few years, in, in exactly the way that like Kate Stewart has been in the modern era. Um, so it's nice to actually have that on audio. Um, at last and also nice to because like Torchwood has jumped around time and we've had Victorian Torchwood and mid-20th century Torchwood and 
1970s Torchwood and Unit hasn't really had that diversity. It's been mostly concentrated on the the Kate Stewart Osgood era in recent years. So yeah, it's nice to have a slightly fresh take on Unit and expand that out a little bit as well. Well, we are now going to take a look at both Battlefield and each story from the two units Brave New World sets. So there will be Brigadier Bambera related spoilers from this point onwards. Um so Battlefield, which was the first story of the final season of Classic Doctor Who and actually one of the very first that I saw and I loved it. Little me thought it was absolutely great. You know, sort of this brilliant sort of crossover of styles. You've got medieval knights with laser guns and all this kind of thing. It was, it's just a really good fun story. Maybe has its flaws, but ultimately it's this great sort of late eighties Doctor Who story that, as you sort of said before, Mansoor, it's kind of looking forward a little bit. It's kind of going, here's a few things that Doctor Who might do a little bit further down the line. Um, It also gives us the Seventh Doctor in sort of full dark Seventh Doctor mode. It's actually the first time we see him in his brown coat, even though it wasn't intended to be. Um, So, yeah, it's. I think it's kind of Doctor Who looking forward to the 90s, and then, of course, Doctor Who in the 90s never actually happened. Also worth noting that it sort of sets in, at the time, what was the future. It was set in the 90s, even though it was a story made in the late 80s. Um, so let's talk about Battlefield. Connor, you go first. It's been a long time since I've actually since I've actually watched Battlefield, but I remember really, really liking it. Um, I'm trying to remember the first... I, I, I always have... Um, a lot of Doctor Who I first discovered or first heard of through um, The Legend Continues, which was this big sort of coffee table book um, released in 2005. I think there had been an earlier edition released a few years earlier. Um, but the one I have had the Ninth Doctor's first series added on to the end. And I remember sort of flicking through, looking back at all the old episodes and one or two images have stuck in my head. And one of them is the Destroyer right at the end of Battlefield. Um, So I knew roughly what the story was going into it. Um, I think it's really, really... I I think it's... I I think season uh, 26 as a whole is the perfect one to end the classic series on. Um, I think it actually does really, really well as a final sort of stop to the classic series. Um, And Battlefield is a big part of that because, as you've mentioned, it is Doctor Who looking ahead. It's setting up a new version of Unit that the Doctor and Ace could potentially bump into again. It's got a new Brigadier. It's setting up these sort of recurring characters and a new recurring scenario for Earth. Um, That is, as, as, as well, not just looking forward to the future of the series, but looking forward to the future of just the future in general as well, because it is set slightly in the future. Um, but it also does look back towards the past in the Brigadier. Um, we get Bessie back. There's a few, you know, nice little throwbacks. Um, I think was the Brigadier meant to be killed off originally? Um, yeah, and that sort was of the original, a, original plan. Yeah, it was meant to was meant to go a bit self sacrificial towards the end. I think. Um, so it would have been, well, not 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 good, but it would have been. Again, it would have been fitting to have that sort of final stop at the very end of the classic era. Um, so, yes, I like Battlefield a lot. It's one that I've had on my list of things to rewatch pretty soon. 
um, for a while now, so I'll, I'll definitely have to get round to it again. Definitely worth digging out that season 26 Blu-ray set. Um, yeah, it's an excellent story, and The Destroyer is one of the sort of most excellently realised monsters in the classic st- series. I think they started to play with animatronics and that kind of thing towards the end, and it definitely paid off. Um, Mansell, what about you? What are your thoughts on Battlefield? Uh, so when I first saw it, um, like all Doctor Who was really exciting and good and, um, you know, enjoyed it. And I remember even then the, like, you know, many years before ideas like the curator and this idea of a future Doctor, just that being a thing and him uh, and the seventh Doctor stumbling across that, that was that was really interesting and exciting. Um, I think it's one of those stories, like if you look at season 26 as a whole, <clears throat> it's probably rated, or I did anyway, like I would rate it, I went through a period of rating it much lower than the other three. Um, so Battlefield, is it the first one in that season? Does it start with Battlefield? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, and I've always, I think I, I went through a period of thinking that the last three were like a really strong trilogy that focused on Ace and and different aspects of her development and the battlefield was all right, but like not quite as good, but rewatching it in recent years, I've kind of come full circle and been reminded of all the stuff that's good about it. So like the destroyer, um, like at a time when, you know, Dr. Who effects were uh, a bit of a, um, a joke in popular culture. It was a really good makeup job and, um, really good special effect, the kind of thing that you would see on much higher budgeted shows like Buffy and others in like the next decade. And, um, yeah, just Morgane was amazing. Um, yeah. And the, the, yeah, there are bits that aren't perfect, but there's so much that's really strong and good about it as well. But it's, uh, yeah, absolutely. Completely agree. Um, so it's as we've kind of said, uh, Bambera was kind of obvious for a, a character for some kind of return or spin-off or whatever. And in just sort of 25, 30, even very short years, Big Finish have made it happen. Um, and it's great. Um, and it, it is good. It, it's good that Big Finish are still, you know, looking to the classic series for inspiration in terms of what they can add to their release slate, it would be very easy to just sort of keep Unit as uh, Kate Stewart and Osgood and all that kind of thing. But no, we have got Unit, Brave New World, uh, two sets, uh, Seabird 1 and Visitants, uh, both released, as I said before, last year. Um, was it July and was it November, December, something like that, I think. Um, and yeah, uh, both really really good really strong releases and i think they kind of immediately struck as being something a little bit different uh they immediately sort of set a tone and a pace and then there were things that we knew beforehand like you know it's the no other returning characters or monsters it's just going to be bambera and a new unit team against new threats it was kind of set up to be something really fresh and original. And I think it sort of worked with that, certainly treated it as an advantage and produced something excellent. So story number one is Rogue State. 
uh, introduces Bambera, introduces uh, Savrin as well, two of our three lead characters. Uh, Connor, what were your thoughts on that one? Um, I like it an awful lot, and I knew, I think, from the word go when I was listening to this one for the first time, I knew I was going to love the series. Um, uh, so there's a, there's a few things that I really love about this one. The first being is it feels like it's very deliberately taking on the feel and purpose of a, a, a true pilot, um, which is always something I, I associate very strongly with sort of 1990s TV, um, is, you know, making one episode and, and you know, uh, commissioning a series based on the strength of that. Um, and this does feel very, very like that, um, in that it's a completely standalone plot. It introduces um, a couple of the main players in, you know, reintroduces Brigadier Bambera, um, it, it introduces Saverin and it introduces Kingsley, but we have a we have a, a regular missing in the form of Doctor Ricks. Um, and I, I quite like the feel of that when you're listening to it, is that they've sort of deliberately made this feel like a pilot in having her not there, like you know she has been added when the rest of the series has been commissioned. Um, so that that's very good. It reminds me an awful lot of the Pierce Brosnan and James Bonds as well. Um, just with the whole um, sort of post Cold War um, politics, and and sort of there's a bit of a cat and mouse chase between Brigadier Bambera and a, 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 a sort of fixer character um, at the you know at the beginning, and she's his or he's her uh, her nemesis as such. Like she's she's out to get him. Um, and we'll go and we'll have the we'll have the sequence then with the cargo ship as well, um, which feels very very reminiscent of that sort of you know nineties action flick, uh, sort of aesthetic. So I really really like that. I, I like that style. I think it's very very good, um, and it ties in again. Then there's a few times throughout the series where they throw in a few different little elements just to flavor it, very definitively, uh, set in the nineties. Um, which in this one is the Millennium Dome. You know, we get mentions of the Y2K bug later on. Um, we get the Millennium Celebrations. So it's we things like that put in just show the level of care and attention to detail um, into making it a, a a period piece, as it were. Um, very very of its of of the nineties. So yeah, I'm I'm very very fond of Rogue State. Yeah, I agree with you about it having that sort of proper. 90s pilot feel it's kind of relatively self-contained with you know kind of hint of things to move forward uh i I thought exactly the same thing about holding back ricks to the second episode uh, making it feel like she'd been added after the pilot because it kind of does feel like something's missing and then that scientific character coming in in the next episode or next week as it would have been had it been a 90s tv series um, yeah, it, it does really sort of evoke that. Uh, Mansour, anything you want to add about this one? Uh, no, I think I just agree with all of that. The um, yeah, like the nineties feel. The like this whole series. Um, there were bits of it that remind, reminded me quite a lot of the X Files, as well as calling back to bits of Doctor Who and like seventies Unit and all of this. Um, but yeah, it was. Uh, well, there's a connection there as well because you have this kind of mystery contact set up in the first episode again, which is like a running thing with the X Files. Um, but yeah, it was a, a really good uh, opener, and I think what 
a, like a general good thing about this series as well is the small main cast and the fact that they were introduced over episodes means that they really take their time with setting up these characters and, and don't overstretch by creating too big a cast. Um, yeah, so yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it is great that we get that time to know the characters and spend a bit of time with them and learn bits about the career and sort of, you know, what they, how they see the world, I guess. Um, and a character that is particularly interesting for that sort of thing is uh, Dr. Ricks, who's our third regular who gets introduced in episode two, Time Flies. Um, this one feels a little bit more like a, I don't know, filler episode perhaps, or a, a bit of a monster of the week type episode, but it does have that important role of introducing Dr. Ricks, and we are thrown into a bit more of a sciencey story um, for that, which obviously works very well, the scientist in the sciencey story. Uh, so, Connor, your thoughts on Time Flies? Um, I, I, I might. Uh, I, I, I think this is the one that I'm maybe least keen on. Um, it feels very, very um, well. They they all feel a bit episode of the week, which again is to the series strength. This one, I think, has le- the least to do with the rest of the series. Um, it's it's very, very isolated on on its own. Um, it introduces Doctor Ricks, who is great. Um, and from the off, she um takes a a very personal approach to things. Um, where she starts this off, she's looking into the disappearance of a friend, um, and she's sort of pulling unit along in in her wake, you know, where she wants to do things her way, and she's not going to necessarily fit into the team structure that the brigadier wants. So, um, I I like her an awful lot. Um, this this there's a few times in this where she gets to sort of show off her skills and and you know prove that she's a very very capable scientist, um. I think there's a slight weakness in that we know from the start who the villain is um, and there's no real ambiguity in Silas Carson's performance. Um, He's played very, very obviously, I am the evil scientist. Um, So there's no, you're you're listening to this, listening to him speak to Unit and interact with the characters and that you're just waiting for the mask to come off because we as the listeners have already, you know, seen what he's actually, or you know, heard what he's actually like. Um, and where there's it, it takes a long time then to build up to that in in the story, um, but it's 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 still quite a strong uh, story, and and that is a testament to how strong the whole series is. Yeah, I um I do like Silas Carson in this. I like Silas Carson in everything Silas Carson does. Uh, sort of one of those big finish semi regular contributors with a very very distinctive voice and obviously a career way beyond big finish as well uh the voice of the ood obviously uh but yeah it was nice to see silas carson involved and playing um like you say a fairly fairly obvious baddie and open about being a baddie but it's it's still a lot of fun and it's an enjoyable performance and definitely raises the episode anything you want to add mansor no, I agree that, uh, yeah, there wasn't any sort of uh, massive twist in terms of the villain, but I think that was fine because we are still at the point of setting up main characters. Um, and as a kind of Monster of the Week story, I think this worked perfectly fine. And again, it made me think of The X-Files, um, where you'd have a lot of those. Uh, and also classic unit, 
you know, it wasn't always alien invasions. Sometimes it would be mad scientists and people on Earth. So, um, yeah, not perhaps not the best, but not not a bad episode. I will note that this one ever so slightly reminded me of the Doctor Who Lost Story Animal, which also featured Bambera. Seems to be quite similar, heavily influenced by that. Um, there's a lot more going on in Animal, but then again, Animal is twice the length and was 30 years in the making. Um, or 20 years in the making. But um, yeah, it's 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 a decent little story. It's It's a proper sort of second episode of the series sticking with the 90s tv series analogy uh and a good listen a uh, third episode is dark side of the moon where it kind of gives the whole team time to shine as a team uh the you know the first episode rogue state was a bit more bambera and uh, severin focused and then the second episode focused a little more on Rick's, introduced Rick's and focused on a tad more. It's this third one. We get the full team. We get a little bit of conflict, but it also takes some time to build their relationships, particularly sort of this buddy friendship between uh, Rick's and Saverin, which I, I really like. I like the fact that this episode spends a bit of time letting the characters get to know each other. Um, there's also a really interesting plot going on with the dead possessing people and all that kind of thing and hints of a conspiracy and obviously a lot of stuff that leads into the second set. This first set does end on a cliffhanger. Um, I think it's a good episode. What about you, Connor? Yes, very, very good. Um, I, I, I think at the time of listening, I said this was my favorite episode out of the set um, it has that same personal connection um, as time flies where this is Dr. Ricks looking into the, the circumstances surrounding a friend's disappearance um, it, it gives us a nice sort of alternate 90s sort of little bit of speculative you know what if um, that, that that battlefield was going for in that there's a British space program and the it's the British trying to launch a rocket rather than uh, the Americans um or 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 you know some other state it's 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 imagining what what it would be like if Britain had a space program um and a mystery set in the middle of that which I like an awful lot um interesting villain um and it makes for a good deal of tension, um, which I, I enjoy certainly after time flies. Um, as I mentioned, you know, we as listeners know the whole plot from the start. There's a lot more mystery and intrigue surrounding the villain than this one. Um, if you can call Helena a, a, a villain, um, and there's a nice, there's a really nice little bit of misdirection towards the end as well, where we know that uh, Helen Helena is able to jump between bodies and take people over. We know she's going to want to take over a member of unit personnel. Um, and there's a point where Dr. Rex is working on something and um, a, pre a completely previously unseen member of, of unit, you know, a completely previously unseen soldier walks in and, you know, right away my mind says, that's Helena. You know, but that's, I think that's what we're meant to think. Um, and he's he's lurking around. He gets a few lines, and the, the player is very keen to remind you that he's there. Um, 
but it, it, there's a rug pulled away then that's really been uh, Helena has been hiding inside Saverin the whole time um, or for some of the time at least so that's really really good that's really well done um, there's also a little call out to Torchwood as well um, which is a lot of fun um, I, 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 I know we've said before I think I've said before last year that the strength of this series that, that there's no real connection to you know the rest of the Doctor Who universe in in this. That's very standalone. It's it's its own thing, but you get a little reminder here that Torchwood's also out there. Um, and I I think I would like it a lot if there was to be a Torchwood versus Unit, um, you know, uh, crossover at some stage in all of this. I'd I'd definitely be up for that. So yes, I I like this one a lot. Um, very 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 keen on it. I'm definitely up for late nineties Torchwood unit crossover um that could be particularly interesting and yeah i did I, I picked up on that little link and i did appreciate it and just a nice reminder that we are still in the hooniverse even though these events are unconnected to anything else uh what were your thoughts on this one man so um <clears throat> uh, yeah torchwood versus unit would be a nice idea and, and you could involve the forge as well and make it a three-way thing um but this episode, um, <clears throat> yeah, it was a nice end to the box set. Um, you, 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 again, the pacing of the set is quite good because you've got Rick's being established really well and taking our time in episode two, and then the personal connection she has to uh, characters in this last story. Um, it works a bit better because you've you've set up Rick's and her connections to this person. Um, yeah, and it was a nice, it was, yeah, using the TV series idea, it was a nice kind of end of a mini season that leaves you with unanswered questions to explore in the next one. Uh, we'll move on then to set number two, Visitants, which it's it's the second half of the series it's not a separate thing it's continuation of what we've had before the same storyline is kind of running along in the background quite nicely um the first episode of the second set is the frequency which reminded me quite a bit of um sort of star wars the clone wars series particularly the camino episodes which kind of span off into the bad batch and it kind of uh, had hints of that. It's about controlling soldiers and all that kind of thing. And obviously, you know, the Star Wars stuff was influenced quite heavily by a lot of things from the past. And there have been various conspiracy theories about uh, soldiers being controlled and that kind of thing before. Um, so, yeah, I, I quite enjoyed this episode. I find it quite easy to get on with, but the plot and the whole idea of it was relatively familiar because I'd kind of seen it done elsewhere in the past. Um, Connor, do you want to talk to us about the frequency? Yes, I like this one an awful lot. Um, I think all the stories in set number two are are individually, they're probably much stronger than the ones in the first set. Um, I think, I think, as brilliant as Seabird 1 was, I think Visitants really upped the ante even more so. Um, and the frequency, definitely, that, that that's that's definitely true of the frequency, I think. Um, it picks up on a few things that um, 
have gone on with Bambera. And um, as, as I mentioned previously, Bambera is, is very keen on the chain of command. She's, you know, she's the commanding officer of this team. Um, and she doesn't really approve of Rix's. It's not that she doesn't approve. I think she does approve, but I think her natural instinct as a soldier is to wish that, you know, she gives an order and the order is followed. Um, and that's something that Hagen plays on in this. Um, uh, who uh, he's trying to to um, sell the brigadier on this this uh, technology, which uh, makes you know would make the whole team work as one. In, you know, as a whole unit together, um, I, 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 I think Rix is a little bit, a little bit more ambivalent, where she's maybe not entirely comfortable with it, but she can, she's fascinated by the technology involved and the science behind it. And then at the very far end of the scale, we have Saverin, who is completely opposed to this, and it's a really great moment when he gives his reasons for it. When he says, um, he, 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 he brings up don't ask, don't tell. He, he says that if, if he was open about him, uh, you know, about himself and his own identity in the British Army, he'd be kicked out. But you not just accept him as he is. It's a really nice little moment. It's it's played out really well. It's a lovely character moment for him. Um, and it's 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 nice to hear the Brigadier support him in it as well. Um, so, yes, really, really enjoy that. Um and and as as I've said, you know the brigadier or uh, brigadier Bambera is 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 on the opposite end of the scale from Saverin, where she's the most inclined out of the team to accept this technology. But she takes her time and listens to her team. She puts her trust in the people rather than the technology um, that Hagen is trying to sell to her, and um, is is uh, victorious in the end for that. So. A lot of really good character stuff in this one. I I, I think it's really great. Um, I, I like Hagen as, as well as a villain um, I, because he has this sort of altruistic mindset, but it's like he doesn't care who he steps on to to you know achieve what he wants. Um, and he doesn't care what, what... He has very little thought ethically for the, the, the potential uses of the frequency. Um... And it's a, it's a great performance from him as well. It's not. It would have been very easy to play him as that again, this sort of mad scientist character. But he's not ever played as a caricature. Um, he sort of breaks down very, very subtly over the course of this. So, quite possibly a contender for the best in series in the frequency. Yeah, it really is an enjoyable episode, and as you say, it does sort of up the ante quite a bit. And it, this is where all of the build-up and the introduction of the characters and letting them spend a bit of time together, this is where it really starts to pay off now when they're sort of put into more dangerous situations perhaps than they were in the first set, or certainly as a team anyway. Uh, Mansour, what do you think about this one? Uh, Yeah, not too much to add. Uh, Yeah, I agree, really strong start. I do, yeah, I do agree that these two box sets are so closely connected that it, you can think of them as a six-episode series, and that makes a lot of sense. At the same time, this second set three, it starts and finishes with stuff that focuses quite a lot on the frequency, so it's kind of got its own sort of shape and structure as well. So that that was nice as well, that this box set opens with this story and then it comes back very strongly and in the third story is a, a big connection. Yeah, it feels as though quite a lot pops up in that 
third episode of this set, the last line of defense, but the frequency is definitely sort of one of the most prominent things. And it is nice to have that sort of self-contained story in this set amongst all the other stuff that's going on. Um, next story is Haunt. I really like this one. This might actually be my favorite out of the two sets. It's so hard to settle on one because it's all so good. Uh, but this is, it, it's kind of a, a low-key kind of episode. Uh, Severin's barely in it, unfortunately, but it lets uh, the Bambera and Rick's relationship develop and it kind of lets um, lets them have a more supernaturally kind of story, a uh, story where uh, they have to deal with the public as well. Um, this isn't big conspiracy going on in the background. This is Bambera and Ricks at the centre of a, a local news story, really. Um, I like it. I think it really works. It's as creepy as it needs to be. It's got a really solid kind of setup and mystery throughout. And and like I say, the relationship between Bambera and Ricks sort of gets developed in a really good way, um, there's uh, quite a few great scenes of them together just unfolding what, I guess it's a mystery you could throw into near enough any Doctor Who unit, Torchwood, whatever you want story, uh, you know, local ghost legend type thing. But the fact that it is, it takes place around these two characters and kind of what they're going through and where they're coming from, what their beliefs in the supernatural or science and so on are, uh, I think it really does elevate it a bit. So what are your thoughts, Connor? I think it's absolutely fantastic um, because it's a, it's, a, it's a change of scene. It's a change of, of tone and it's this nice, refreshing little island towards the end of the series that doesn't really connect to what's going on around it um it's 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 the brigadier and ricks off duty i think um it's the two of them have come where ricks has came for it to be a unit investigation the brigadier doesn't want it to be and i like to imagine that the two of them have come out in their own time or they've taken a bit of time off unit to come up and investigate this um on their own um, now I know Severin's involved a little, a little bit. I, I do quite like that there's a, a Rick's-focused episode to make up for her not being in the first one. Um, and again, it leans into that sort of 90s aesthetic is um, where, you know, regular has a week off, where Severin is only here in, in you know, over a radio. So uh, I, I, I like this one a lot. It's very, very scary. Um, I, Baghead is really creepy. And it his sort of presence in the the basement of the hotel is very well done because you can always sort of feel him even if he's just there you know sort of if even if he's not there physically you can feel that presence um in the characters around there's a few moments of really great really creepy sort of horror tinged um moments uh, it's the likes of the you know people feeling an invisible hand holding theirs um it's the brigadier listening back to her recordings and remember her remembering herself quoting i think it's jabberwocky um and 
she 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 can't remember what she's reciting at the time. She can't remember why she recites it. But then when she's listening to it on the tape, she says more than she actually did in 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 real life. And it's like the tape's being manipulated. That's absolutely fantastic. That's really 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 creepy. So yes, I really like this one. It's definitely going to be in my Halloween playlist this year. I am glad that we got Unit Does Horror for an episode, and it's exactly, as we keep saying, the sort of thing a 90s series would do, yeah. Uh, Mansoor, what do you think about this one? Uh, again, just, yeah, I agree. It's, uh, the, 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 these six episodes as a whole jump around different genres really well, <clears throat> while still feeling like the same series and still um, having like a really clear consistent through line for the characters like no one feels like they're outing out, acting out of character even though they're they're involved in these very different types of storylines across the episodes um and yeah some very creepy bits like the i think the tech recorder bit was done really well like which is again like a really common at this point horror trope of you know there's a video or audio recording and something's not quite right or something's live within the recording but it's yeah, it's just executed really, really competently. Absolutely. And uh, we're, we're up to the final story, the series finale, um, which is the last line of defence. Um, and it's, it, it does a really good job of pulling together so much that we've had so far. Um, it, it, it's a proper finale. It's, it's not just another unit story. It's not just another story of the week. This is genuinely what the series has very cleverly and quite subtly actually been building to. Um, I kind of saw the twist that um, uh, Dame Lydia was a baddie coming. Like, I, I think that's something that you can pick up on, or I think maybe it's a trope that is often commonly used commonly often used enough for us to kind of work out that that's what's going to happen here but I think it's handled really well and I think getting to see Bambera uh, having to face um, the system she believes in being betrayed by a superior is absolutely fantastic and it's great that she she's kind of offered a place in this new world order and she doesn't even think about it. She just rejects it. She's not interested. Bambera is there to do her job and that is what she is going to do. Um, and I think it's absolutely brilliantly played by Angela Bruce. Um, Connor, your thoughts on this season finale? Uh, it's great because as, as you said, it's what the series has been building towards. Um and it's it's something I admire about this uh, series is it it doesn't feel over long and it doesn't feel over short you know over you know it doesn't feel like it's you know short either it's I know it's only six episodes but because of the way it's been constructed and it's as you say it's built up to it's introduced elements like the frequency that get brought back here um we've had this this story sort of picks up on things that were set up in Dark Side of the Moon as well. Um, it feels like it's the perfect length. It doesn't outstay its welcome, although I would have loved more. Um, but it doesn't. F- I'm not left thinking we needed you know, three more episodes either. I think it's just right. They fill the time that they have. They use the episodes that they have been given for this 
extremely well and it's very well sort of put together to to give that effect that you feel like you've had a complete series because you have um even though you know we as big finish listeners are used to great big long epics like doom coalition and ravenous and you know big 16 episode arcs this has six episodes it uses them all perfectly it, i can't praise it enough for that um my second thing just before i talk about the rest of the episode is the music is absolutely fantastic. It's completely unlike anything else Big Finish have done. It's the only series that the composer has done for them. It's uh, Borna Matozik, who was very, very heavily involved in some of the Doctor Who lockdown projects. Um, and his, his music's brilliant. It's it's it, it sort of takes a bit of a harder, a bit more rock-themed. Um, and it, it, it hits me every single time. Whenever I'm listening to the opening scene and the music builds up, over the course of it and transitions seamlessly into the main unit brave new world theme absolutely i can't praise that moment enough that's that's one of genuinely one of my favorite big finish soundtracks ever um perfect brilliant 100 percent, 10 10 out of 10 points um and the story itself is again brilliant. I, I think the series really sticks the landing. It's a great big sort of blustery action-filled finale, but it doesn't descend into pure noise. You do, you don't end up with a soup of explosions and gunfire. Um, it's really well done. It's really easy to follow the action. Um, I love the idea of human collaborators enabling the alien invasion. I I don't know that I saw the Kingsley twist coming, but. I do think whenever it happens, it makes total sense. And, you know, you're maybe not just surprised as a listener. Um, You know, whenever it does come out, it's like, oh, yes, of course she's the villain. Um, So that's, that's again, very, very, very good. And it ends as well. Um, You know, you not obviously defeat the aliens. We get the, the very funny line about the alien spaceship being a, a, a an inflatable balloon that escaped from a nearby film set. Um, and I, I always love how they explain off alien invasions. That's a very, very strong example. Um, and uh, it ends on a really, really nice moment with Bambera, Rex, and Saverin watching the New Year's celebrations unfold. So that's that's very, very strong. Um, a very strong ending. A nice image for them to end on. And uh, yeah, I like it a lot. I'm I'm very, very hopeful of of new episodes of a new series and. Um, whenever it comes out, if and when it comes out, I will absolutely be there for it on day one. Yeah, this is a must-order immediately series now. It's it's something that I'm really looking forward to more of. Uh, Mansour, what are your thoughts on this finale and, I guess, the series as a whole? Yeah, I agree. Uh, again, um, like, there's, like I said before, about the small cast and those lead characters being given time to be introduced and just be our focus and through line through the series. Um, and I think the obvious contrast is like the other big unit series, which like the, the, there's a lot of good things about having a massive um, cast where people pop in and out. Uh, like some of my favorite TV shows do that things like, you know, deep space nine or, um, other shows that have like a dozen main characters and then like dozens more supporting characters that are woven in and out of the narrative. But the disadvantage of that is that, um, you know, threads can be lost or 
you can sort of lose track of who people are. And just by having these three that we follow so closely, um, I think it really benefits from that. Um, and yeah, like we're saying, the, 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 the sort of plotting being quite disciplined in a way, and like it's not, there's those, there's little references. So we mentioned Torchwood, and I think like bookending these six episodes, in the first episode, you have a reference to um, Countermeasures or to Gilmore. I think, was it, is it Bambera's gets a reference or something from Gilmore or recommendation? Oh yeah, from Gilmore, that's right. I think um, it was. I think he. I think he trained her. Um, was what Lydia uh, yeah. Kingsley says that he was her uh, uh, drill instructor yeah. or, or, or tutor. So it's a, so it's a little callback. It's kind of it's not in your face. It's not Gilmore because that's another quite nineties thing of like having a guest character from the main series turn up in the first episode of the spin-off. A bit like they did in Class. You know, you had the Doctor there for the first episode of Class to hand the torch over. But, like, it's it doesn't do that. It's just a little reference. And in this last episode, it's a little more obvious, but you have the Tower of London thing where um, Bambera's team are moving to the Tower of London base that we then see in the TV series that Osgood and um, Kate Stewart occupy. So it's, yeah, like the characters are great. The plotting and the stories uh, are really strong. And the, it's I get, there's, it's really tough with so much in the Big Finish canon. I can see the temptation of having all these crossovers and characters pop in and out, and they don't do that. They just kind of make those little deft references to situate it in the world. Having said that, I wouldn't mind, I d- definitely want more of this series, I wouldn't mind an older Bambera um, popping up in the modern unit box sets. Because uh, do we know anything about the end of her story? I don't, I don't think that's been established anywhere, like how long her career lasts. Or Kate meets her for what seems to be the first time in one of the new unit sets when she gets taken back to the 90s. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, but the, there's nothing that I can remember it's been I haven't listened to it since release which was the best part of a year ago now but uh, I don't think there's anything to sort of suggest how Bambera's story ends as it were okay so so Kate could potentially meet the older Bambera after that point and yeah I would really like to see that uh, um, a bit like um, we're getting with Joe Grant we're getting uh, you know her as the older Joe Grant in some box sets and stories and then also sometimes as the younger version of the character. Um, yeah, I'd like to see that. Uh, but yeah, I was really, really impressed with this. these two box sets as a whole, generally. Um, I'm going to put a question to you both now. Um, we, we've sort of you know talked about how one of the strengths of this series is the fact that it's in most ways disconnected from the Hooniverse, you know, the only previously established character is Bambera. Um, if you could bring one other thing from the established Hooniverse into these sets, what would it or who would it be? Uh, Connor, you go first. I don't even have to think about it. It's the Eric Roberts master because we have his series being done as this 90s sci-fi dystopia thing and we have you know brave new world over here doing you know a sort of similar 90s vibe i think that it makes absolute perfect sense to cross over brave new world and master um there's actually a bit in um 
uh, the last uh, the last line of defense where the music sort of has the four drum beats motif um which you know we as doctor who fans very closely associate with the master and i can't help but think every time i hear it that you know the one thing i want more than anything is for the eric roberts master to walk in and bring all the cheese with him um and just have this real 90s joyous crossover um which was again another big staple of 90s tv was having you know characters pop up um so i yes eric roberts master in brave new world please (laughs) a big a big finished 90s crossover that'd be excellent yeah i'm up for that uh what about you mansoor uh i like that idea and if he brings vienna with him that's uh even better have they have they gotten to to the millennium at at the end of this series i can't remember was it yeah it it ends on the millennium okay all right because well the the eric roberts master is on earth at that point so there could be something maybe there to get him into it but the the thing i was thinking of was um uh anselin from battlefield who they kind of write out off screen quote marks like uh before this series starts um and i don't know if that was actor availability or they just didn't it just didn't fit with the idea for the character and story that they had. Um, but something I liked about Gallifrey is that they deal with Leela and Andred. They take where the character was left on screen and that becomes like a really important plot. Like they, they're not kind of left in stasis, like things change and move forwards quite radically. Um, so maybe he, like if he pops back in, in a future box set and, uh, Bambero has some unresolved stuff with him to uh, uh, to to confront. That might be interesting. Um, but I do also appreciate the fact that they didn't go with that for these first box sets because it makes it more fresh. It's like, right, we're going to do our own thing and tell a new story. The other thing I would really like them to do as well is, as we talked about right back at the beginning with Battlefield, is... Um, you know, Brigadier Bambert was, you know, we, you know, feels like she was being set up as a recurring character for the next series of The Seventh Doctor. I think she should appear in The Seventh Doctor Adventures at some point. I would love to hear a new adventure with her and The Seventh Doctor and Ace. And if she brings Saverin and Rix with her, all the better. It's the wrong era of Seventh Doctor companion, but I could see her having an interesting dynamic with Chris and Roz as well. She went a bit later in the seventh doctor's life um yeah that kind of like military police connection that could be quite interesting actually yeah sort of a new adventure style thing um yeah all all very excellent and i suppose the only thing i'd add is something else unit related you know just you know start to hand over because we know sort of where unit is maybe 10 years after these sets with kate and osgood and so on and they've got an established team uh it might be quite nice to sort of see um uh, colonel shindy from the unit sets appearing in here as a younger maybe lower ranked officer that kind of thing um it'd be interesting to see something like that just to kind of link it to the unit that comes later but not directly sort of interact with it i'd I'd quite like to see that sort of 
crossover period because obviously unit would develop over the 10 ish blank years that we have now it wouldn't just be Bambera's team out Kate's team in so yeah that that transition or the beginnings of that transition would be quite nice to see I think we've had a couple of other like around the 80s um uh and 90s there's been like a few other little unit teams touched on because there was that main range story recently in the last couple of years and then there were the original unit spin-offs like just after big finish started so like yeah i don't know whether those all fit neatly into continuity still but the yeah maybe some of those characters popping up as well again though like not you want to resist because what we're saying is like this has been so strong because it's been coherent and done its own thing and told a self-contained story so i wouldn't want it to go overboard but i would yeah quite like to see some of those people popping up in a measured way yeah you're absolutely right about it uh sort of being measured and sort of just done carefully it's i I wouldn't be against a character being brought in or something like that but i think that probably is the limit of what i'd want to see this this series strength is its sort of distance from everything else that's going on in the who universe um thing and i just remember that those original four unit audios and a little pilot that went with it didn't they set up something about Silurians just revealing themselves to humans, which feels like something that hasn't really been acknowledged or touched upon ever again? In yeah, it was kind of <laughs> we we live among Silurians now in the pilot, and then it's never discussed again, as far as I remember. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that would be an interesting thing to look at. I suppose uh, Klein is also likely to still be about at this point as well. Oh uh, yeah, uh, that would be an interesting character to bring into it because it it's, she always feels like a character that there could be more of, um, and she's been handled in various different ways, some more successful than the others in the past, but fundamentally a very interesting character. Um. All right, well, we shall leave that one there. It's been excellent talking about uh, Brigadier Bambera and the Unit Brave New World sets with you both. Um, I'm looking forward to more. I believe they are on the horizon. Uh, so we've uh, we've got something to go back to in a year or so's time and discuss there, hopefully. Uh, but for now, I will say thank you and goodbye to Connor. Thank you very much. And I will say thank you and goodbye to Mansour. Thank you very much. And we shall be back next week for more spodcasting. Goodbye now. Mm-hmm.